We conclude our study of the Ten Commandments this afternoon. Let's go back to Lord's Day 44 of the Heidelberg Catechism, giving us a summary of the Bible's teaching of why the ministry of the law is so important in the life of the Christian. I thought we were done with that, with the law. But no, we're not. And praise God for that. It's the tool of the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 44, page 893 in the back of your songbooks. We looked at the 10th commandment last week. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. And now we come to 114 and 115. A summary of the importance of the ministry of the law in the life of the believer. 114, can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. Nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some, of God's commandments. Since no one in this life can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly? First, so that all our life long we may more and more come to know our sinful nature and thus more eagerly seek the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. Second, so that we may never stop striving and never stop praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit so that we may be be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach our goal, perfection. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans 7, and we'll read Romans 7, verse 19 through 8, verse 4, page 1122. Romans 7, verse 19 through 8, verse 4, page 1122. Let's start at one verse earlier, verse 18. This is God's word. Where the Apostle Paul writes, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is God's word, and may he bless us by it, build our faith, and build us up in godliness. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, why the ministry of the law today? Aren't we under the gospel? Why do we insist on preaching the Ten Commandments when very few churches do that anymore? And why point out people's sins? Why not just show them the Savior and teach them the way of serving? Isn't the preaching of the law so negative? Last week, after hearing the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor, we talked about good desires from God and corrupt desires desires that come from sin and the need for Jesus to redeem us and create in us pure desire again someone said to me afterward the Holy Spirit hit my heart really hard today and I can say praise the Lord for the work of the Holy Spirit but someone might say you shouldn't be making people feel so badly like that That's a law ministry, pastor. That's not a gospel ministry. But I want to show you today from scripture that under the gospel ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ still has a law ministry for us. Under the gospel ministry, the Lord still has a law ministry for us. And the Holy Spirit uses that law ministry as a tool for gospel ministry. He uses it as a tool of conviction to drive us away from ourselves, to drive us to Christ, and to drive us toward perfection. Those three things we want to look at. The God's gift of Christian conviction, the Christian's grief, the Christian's comfort, and the Christian's goal. The Christian's grief. The Lord uses the law. The Holy Spirit uses the law to help us keep up giving up on ourselves. That's what faith is, right? You give up on yourself and you flee to Jesus Christ for refuge. And the ministry of the law helps us do that for the rest of our lives. Now, Paul is grieving in Romans 7. He's frustrated. What about? Why is he grieving? Why is he frustrated? not grieving over others here or frustrated with others. He's frustrated with himself. Wretched man that I am. Some say that the passage is speaking about Paul's life before Jesus met him and before he was converted. That's not true. It's sort of a common exegesis today, but it's not true. It's speaking of Paul's life as a believer. He's a man converted to Christ. He delights in God's law. In Romans 8, he goes on to say, it's the mindset of the flesh that doesn't have the spirit that is hostile to God's law and won't submit to it and cannot. But the mindset in the spirit loves God's law and wants to please him. This is speaking of Paul's life as a believer. He Delights in God's law. He wants to obey God's law. That's the new mind, the new attitude, the new desire given to him. 
He's got the spirit of Christ. He belongs to Christ. Now, this is not Paul living under the law as a covenant of works like he used to. He used to live under the law as a covenant of works where he's trying to be justified by the works of the law, pushing hard through personal performance to get points with God and become acceptable to him. If I just do this and do that and do this, I rise on God's scale of approval. God will accept me if I do good enough, I look good enough. He used to live under the law in a covenant of works. But that's not the Paul of Romans 7. He's living now with the law under the covenant of grace. He knows that his righteousness is in Jesus Christ alone. He knows he's no longer condemned under the law because Christ has set him free. He knows that. He knows that Jesus has completed all the law's demands for Paul. That in Christ, he's all paid up. He is completely righteous in his status before God in Christ. He knows that in Jesus' perfect life and death. That he's right with God through Jesus Christ. So Paul can say in Romans 7 verse 7, I'm released from the law as my husband. That husband died. Now I have a new husband, Jesus Christ, who has kept the law for me. That's what he's been saying. That's at the beginning of Romans 7. I'm released from the law as my husband. And now he says at the end of Romans 7 that because of the, the ministry of the law, he's grieving over his sinfulness. I just can't keep it. I want to. I delight in it. But I can never achieve that that perfect obedience that I want. And he's seriously frustrated now that he's become a Christian, that he can't keep God's law perfectly. As we read in Romans 7, 18 and 19, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my sinful nature. I have a desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want. Well, the good that he wants is total obedience, perfection, right? I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And that's why he cries out, a wretched man that I am. And wretched means afflicted and miserable, like you've been dragged through a knothole. And that I am now as a believer, a converted man, the apostle of Christ set apart for the gospel, Romans 1 verse 1. That I am still a sinner in my flesh, in my sinful nature. Unable to keep the law. How frustrating. How grieved I am that I am not yet all that God has saved me to become. I'm still so far away from the goal. Well, that's what we confess as Christians. All of us. So we read in the catechism, can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No. No. In this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. Nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some of God's commandments. We have a real beginning of obedience, brothers and sisters, thanks to the Spirit who lives in us. 
But it's a small beginning, and that's the grief and the frustration. I'm never perfect in it, not on any day, not in any deed. I've never arrived. Well, Paul's at this spot. Maybe he needs a scolding from one of us contemporary Christians who are of the opinion that we just need to throw the law away and start living by the gospel. And if he showed up today complaining this way, we'd say, dear brother Paul, you know what your problem is? In Romans 7 verse 7, you tossed the law, said you were released from it, but somehow between verse 7 and 24, you forgot that and you picked it up again. And now that's the burden on your back. You need to throw it away. Don't give up into that, to that temptation, Paul. You died to the law, so stay far away from it now. And then you'll feel better about yourself and you can rejoice and put your sorrows far away. Well, that's the antinomian answer to Paul. That's not the biblical answer. That's the answer that doesn't accept the Bible's teaching that when you're a Christian, the law still has a very real and important place in our life. When you're a Christian, the law of God still has a very real and important place in your life. It functions inside the covenant of grace under the gospel ministry as a tool of Christian growth. Okay, it functions inside the covenant of grace under the gospel ministry as a tool of Christian growth. That's what I love about the Ten Commandments. It stands in front of us as the perfect man of God. Timothy, you man of God, flee, follow, fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Run toward that perfection. It stands in front of you as the perfect man of God. It stands in front of you as Jesus Christ. You look at the Ten Commandments. That's Jesus on two legs. As Paul said earlier in Romans 7, the law is holy, righteous, and good. And just because we've died to it as a way of saving ourselves by our own works doesn't mean it's gone from our lives. Because when Christ saves us, he puts us in a new relation to the law. He doesn't throw it away. He puts us in a new relation to it. And now that it's a way of thanking God for all that he's done for us and a way of aiming to please him in all that we do for him. It's a pattern of Christ for us to conform our lives to. I want to look like that, God. I want to look like Jesus. But because we're still in the body, meaning because the flesh, the sinful nature still lives in us, not as our king, no, Jesus is our king as a believer, but as an invader that would love to take over your life. And every time we who are born again, who delight in God's law, try to do good and try to be perfect, as we should, Evil is right there. There it is. Wicked thoughts are trying to insert themselves, right? Lustful desires are trying to insert themselves. Impure motivations are trying to insert themselves. Shifting eyes. Fighting us every step of the way to stop you or slow you down at least. To dog your steps and to throw poison in the water of your obedience. 
And so Paul says in verses 20 and 21, now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what's right, evil lies close at hand. Well, do you know this conviction of sin in your life? Does your own sin grieve you? Do you feel the same frustration bringing out of your life that cry, wretched man that I am, and crying out for help? That's the work of the Spirit. That's not the devil. He wouldn't give you this cry. It's because of the Spirit that we delight in God's law, and it's because of the Spirit that we want to do better, and it's because of the Spirit that the law of Christ hits your heart hard. That's an encouragement. That's an encouragement. But why does the Holy Spirit do that? Why does he want us to feel wretched? Well, we see, secondly, he wants us to run to Christ for comfort. As believers, we don't stay there in our frustration with no way out. It's not a hopeless pit of despair. We say, wretched man that I am, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, verse 25. Now, I know the unbeliever too can cry out, wretched man that I am, and not mean it at all. There is that kind of false piety in the church, right? It can become a pious platitude. Oh, I'm so bad. Well, he must be good because he thinks he's so bad. And it becomes sort of a, A feather in your cap for piety if you can say that. But you don't really want out of it. Because you're actually in love with sin, not in love with Christ. You don't delight in his law. And you're just a pious fraud. We can say, wretched man, that I am in the wrong way. And if that's you or me, and I'm a pious fraud, well, Christ is for you too. Come to him as a fraud. Ask him to forgive you and make you a new man like he did Paul. Jesus is powerful and does powerful works in the worst of sinners, right? But as believers, when the cry comes from the heart, oh, wretched man that I am, we don't stay there. Immediately, quickly, as fast as possible, we rush to Jesus Christ, where we have our victory. We rush to Christ for refuge. It doesn't take Paul long to move from wretched man that I am to thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation. That's the Spirit's purpose. He wants to keep us in our place, and our place is at the cross. That's the believer's favorite place to go. That's our daily hiding place. Because here's what happens to us as believers. Well, it does to me. By nature, we quickly become proud of our own goodness and performance, and we begin to live in the power of the flesh. And then we become prayerless. We don't really need the Lord. 
We become Christless in our outlook as we take the road of self-sufficiency and we look down on others who have not come nearly as far as we have. And before we know it, we give the Pharisee a guest room in our hearts. Just like in Nehemiah's day, the Jews gave Tobias a room in the temple. We give the Pharisee a room in our hearts. Or like the Galatians who began by the Spirit and were now trying to live the Christian life in the power of the flesh. You read about that in Galatians 3. They began well by the Spirit's power and then now they're trying to carry on in the power of the flesh. They were saved by grace and now trying to live by works. And the Holy Spirit, his aim through the ministry of the law under the gospel, in the covenant of grace, is to kick the Pharisee out. Like Nehemiah did. Send Tobias packing. Get him out of the temple. To kick the Pharisee out of our life. To cut our self-confidence off at the knees. And keep us where we need to be at the cross. Hiding out in the gospel. Resting in Jesus Christ's perfection. His righteousness, his obedience. That we live at the feet of Jesus Christ in faith, with repentance and in prayer. And that's why Paul moves so quickly from grief and distress to comfort and victory and hope in Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 8 verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And then the words we really love for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. My sin condemned in Jesus' flesh. And what the law couldn't do over thousands of years, take care of my sin, Jesus did in one day on the cross. A lifetime of obedience, but that was climaxed in one day at the cross, one offering for sin, the Bible says. The catechism echoes this in 115. Since no one in this life can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly? Well, first, so that all our life long, we may more and more come to know our sinful nature and thus more eagerly seek the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's purpose. He wants me to be more eager in seeking forgiveness and righteousness in Christ. That's the double gift that Jesus gives us through his perfect life and death. You become sin-free and righteousness full. Takes away all your debt, pays it for you, gives you a full line of credit with God. So you stand perfect in your status before God. He doesn't want me to linger over my sin and stare at it. He, He wants me to go there. See it. But it's meant to drive us to Christ as quickly as possible and linger there at the cross. Where all my sins were placed on Jesus. All my sins were condemned in him. They were all punished in him. 
and now there's no condemnation, nor will there ever be through faith in Jesus Christ. A marvelous gift. So the ministry of the law, the life of the believer, takes us there. We're justified by Jesus' work as the one who did what the law could not do. Purchase forgiveness and righteousness for us before God. And so the law is important, brothers and sisters, because it keeps us close to the gospel. It keeps us near the cross. And we need to rejoice in this good news. Sometimes we do not live close enough to the cross. Sometimes we do not live close enough to Christ. Too often we live in our own strength, in self-reliance, and in pharisaical pride. And then we need to be cut off at the knees. We need the pointed preaching of the law. We need somebody to come and admonish us about a sin we've committed so that we're reminded, I need Jesus. And I ask you, is, as a believer, are you there today? I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Jesus every hour. It's a good place to be. It's the right place to be. That's where Jesus wants us to be. That's why he gave us his spirit to bring us there, to put us in our right place. But the spirit does more and that's what we see thirdly. He puts before us when we're in Christ Run to him for refuge. The Christian's goal. What happens when you as a wretched sinner, when I as a wretched sinner, run by faith to Christ and com commune with my Savior and mediator? I find him so lovely, I want to be like him again. It motivates me to love him more and want to please him more. That's just what hanging out with Jesus does. It's the power of Christ in me. The law drives the believer to Christ for comfort. Christ drives the believer back to the law for direction and guidance. Not outside of Christ, not separate from Christ, but in him. The law drives the believer to Christ for comfort and Christ drives the believer back to the law for direction and guidance. As the catechism says in question answer one, because I belong to Christ, Christ by his Holy Spirit, what does he do? He assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. And, and Paul's gonna go on to explain that later in Romans eight, that if you're in the spirit, you want to please God. You want to submit to God's law. And even more, you can. Not perfectly, but you can make a real beginning. And keeping all of God's commandments, not just some of them. Because when I rush to Christ for comfort, what does he do to me? He comforts me, he puts me back on his feet, on my feet, and he says, go and sin no more, right? That's what he said to the woman caught in adultery. Pronounced her forgiven, and then gives her the law, go and sin no more. 
And Christ, the law is no longer my enemy condemning me, but my friend guiding me. Guiding me in the way of Christ, in the way of living thankfully for God. And that's what Paul goes on to say in Romans 8. After crying out in frustration, wretched man that I am. And running to Christ for deliverance and comfort to be bathed in the gospel. Hope all over again, Paul says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the law and in the flesh. And look at verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Why did God condemn our sin in Jesus' flesh? So that we might start living a new life of fulfilling the law again by walking according to the Spirit. We run to the cross of Christ for help. Christ restores our our peace and he also renews our resolve to keep the law that's constantly frustrating me because of my sin. And so God sent his son to condemn my sin, but also to enable me to walk by the spirit and fulfill his law. And the problem is, I delight in that law. Spirit is pressing me to fulfill the law and I can't do it perfectly. And that crushes me all over again. I run to the cross. Christ reminds me that I'm redeemed. Go and sin no more. And I say, I'm, trying, I'm going to try again, Lord, because I love you and I love your law and because you saved me for this very purpose. God forbid that I don't make every effort to live out God's purpose for me. So we say again in the catechism, since no one in this life can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly Well, there's first, so that all our life long we may more and more come to know our sinful nature, kick the Pharisee out, thus more eagerly seek the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ, hide out in the cross. Second, so that we may never stop striving and never stop praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, so that we may be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach our goal. Perfection. Just because we can't attain perfection in this life, do we stop trying? Do we give up striving? No, not if we're believers. Somebody put it this way. Just because we don't score 100% in the class of obedience, does that mean we should settle for complete failure? Perfectionism has two strains, a positive one, And the negative one, though they're both negative. The one strain is, I'm really good and I can go for days without committing sin. Wrong. If you say you have no sin, you lie, the truth is not in you. 1 John 1. There's another strain of perfection. If I can't do it perfectly, don't bother trying at all. That's equally wrong. Maybe you're in that spot. I messed up again, I give up. I committed that sin again, I quit. Might as well just give in and wait till I reach the end of the road when Christ takes me to glory. 
The Spirit doesn't let you do that, does He? Though the righteous man may fall a hundred times, the Lord picks him up again. And that's what the ministry of the law is for. It's Jesus saying, dear brother, dear sister, you've sinned. Your sin is forgiven. Now get up on your feet and strive again. Start counting the days of how many days in a row you can conquer that sin. Now, Jesus loves me no matter how much headway I make as a believer. He doesn't love me more if I sin less, nor love me less if I sin more. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Okay, we, we know that as believers. But the power of Christ in me is to strive more and more to be renewed after God's image and to be perfect. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me my I can't become perfect in this life, but I'm gonna press on toward it anyway because that's why Christ laid hold on my life and saved me. And so one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, may the Holy Spirit use the ministry of the law to serve the gospel, to crush the Pharisee in me, keep me near the cross, and make me zealous for perfection. Let's pray for that. Let's prize that. Let's press on toward it. All through the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for the ministry of the law. As a people who are under the gospel. And what a ministry that is and how much we need that. We thank you that in Christ the law is no longer an enemy to condemn me, but a friend to guide me, to keep me near the cross, keep me pressing on toward perfection. Use it that way in our lives, Lord Jesus. We ask that you will give us that grace to be able to say, wretched man that I am, and to say, thanks be to God, to our Lord Jesus Christ, and to say, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.